911, what's your emergency? America's healthcare system is broken and people are dying. Welcome to Code Whack, where we shine a light on our callous healthcare system, how it hurts us, and what we can do about it. I'm your host, Brenda Gazar. This time on Code Whack, how does our current healthcare system limit our choice of doctors and surgeons with a particular expertise in times of personal health crises? How would Medicare for All ensure greater access to care and choice? We recently spoke to Nilton Fonseca, a husband and father of three who was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2020 and is currently in remission. He lives in the greater LA area, holds an engineering degree, and has three decades of construction project experience domestically and abroad. Welcome back to Code Whack, Nilton. Thank you for having me. <laughs> As we discussed in last week's podcast, a few years ago, you went to urgent care with some pain in your chest and a lump was found. You were ultimately diagnosed with breast cancer and had to have a mastectomy. How easy was it to find a doctor and a surgeon experienced in treating male breast cancer? That's a question that internally never really came up, except now towards the end, I'm in the reconstructive um, stage of my breast cancer. I'm getting a reconstruction. This has been the hardest one. But leading up to this point, I would, uh, it, it never really occurred to me, uh, you know, about, you know, whether the person was a specialist in male or females, because I had to have a full mastectomy. And um, I saw a very good surgeon here in the South Bay. He, he did excellent work. And uh, ultimately, it's the same type of procedure, except in my case, as I, as I understand it, for males, once you're diagnosed, you have to act on it really, really fast uh, to prevent spread of the cancer itself to maybe other internal organs in your body. Uh, because uh, Simply because of the, the male breast being very, very close to the rib cage itself, almost touching that there's less tissue there. Do you need to find a special surgeon to handle reconstruction for men? Yes. I tried to find one because of this also being a rare condition. It's difficult to find or has been difficult to find you know, surgeons with current competency in, in working on, on males, uh, specifically reconstruction of uh, breast cancers. And initially, the physicians that I was referred to, I have an HMO, and they typically refer you to physicians within your geographic area within a 10 to 20 mile radius. And I couldn't really find anybody that had prior experience doing that. And to make a long story short, so to speak, I tried to then go out of network. I, re I requested referrals and that was uh, repeatedly denied by the insurer saying that I didn't need to go out of my area because there were other surgeons in, in this area. But this is something even though I, you know, tried to make my case, uh, I think it just fell on, on, you know, on deaf ears. And it got to a point where I um, ultimately applied for an appeal. I made an appeal to the, the Department of Managed Healthcare in Sacramento, <laughs> to the state body. And after, I'd say, over 40, 45 days plus or something, they came back to me denying my appeal. Oh, no. On the basis that uh, my insurer at that time had provided them with sufficient information to show that there were plastic surgeons around my geographic area that could operate on me. But I would go back and, you know, with some of those telephones, uh, uh, telephone numbers and even physician names that they gave me. I remember there was even one in particular where I called up and the, the automated voicemail that I received was a children's orthopedic center or something like that. So it seems that the insurance companies also don't seem to have their own lists 
well updated as to what kind of uh, uh, you know you know uh, pr- procedures those practices are, are capable of and was under ultimately I I settled on um on the, on the local surgeon here in the Torrance area that uh, was highly recommended by my breast surgeon who did the actual mastectomy he recommended him highly to me he said you know he had worked with him before and he, he felt it was good and that's why you know ended up going with him I'm very pleased with the results so far Oh good and does he did he have any prior experience um operating on men he had a prior experience operating on men doing other types of procedures, but as I understand it, for breast cancer, uh, post, post-cancer post uh, reconstruction on men, no. I'm, I'm not aware that he had, but he was very keen and he felt very confident after speaking with him for a while. I had sufficient confidence to go ahead and he's, um, he's a young surgeon. He's very, very capable and very competent. Wow. I'm glad you're able to find somebody who's competent in your area. And I'm so sorry that the insurance company didn't let you choose the surgeon that you of your choice. Um, as somebody said to me, you know, this is it, it's a bit ironic because we are in Los Angeles. We've got probably some of the highest per capita rate of uh, uh, plastic surgeons, <laughs> and uh, it was surprising that I, you know, you know that that you know that I face these challenges. And... Right, exactly. That's a, a really good point. So what are your thoughts on Medicare for All, which would eliminate provider networks and give patients like yourself the freedom to select a physician who's an expert in their specific treatment or condition? I'm all for it. I'm, I'm not sure why, why it hasn't been done before. Even as a consumer, as a taxpayer, you know, we pay lots of taxes and sometimes I feel I'm not getting my, my money's worth. <laughs> and with all this money that we pay, and, and it's a type of a tax you pay almost, an additional tax by having to pay these co-pays and then even to have to contribute to an employer's plan. Or even if you buy it through the state exchange, you still have to pay for it. So it's, it's some sort of like an additional tax. I would gladly give up that money, you know, to, to, to go into a state fund to pay to pay for Medicare. So you wouldn't have to worry about this because every time you go for an appointment or a surgery, I, I still sometimes do have anxiety about getting a surprise bill from either a, a physician's group or a pathology group or anesthesia group. I mean, just take my first plastic surgery that I had uh, three months ago for reconstruction. I ended up getting a, sort of like a surprise bill in the mail from a pathology group, you know, because there was some tissue removed from me at that time. And they billed me for it because apparently there was a glitch with the, with the insurance and it took me close to three hours to sort out, waiting waiting on the phone to speak to different medical groups, including speaking with my HMO provider and also my physician's group. And then eventually, you know, then speaking with, calling into the pathology group, you know, to sort out this, this bill. And it's... Uh, there is a lot of hours burned <laughs> by people all the time just to sort out basic medical issues, uh, um, uh, billing issues. And right. I think uh, it, it's about time we had Medicare for all. Wow. How much was the bill for? Uh, the bill the, the bill for me was, uh, it wasn't too bad. It was about, a, I think, under $200. But um, I know other folks have had other, other bigger bills. It's always in the back of my mind because every time you go to a, to an appointment at, at a doctor's office or even at the hospital, there's always these disclaimers at the very bottom. You basically sign your life away by saying, although your insurance is going to cover it, but you are ultimately responsible for anything your insurance doesn't cover. So I think it's the only business where you, you go get a service without knowing what the cost is going to be at, at the end. It's like going to a supermarket and you, you put a, you know, you know, a carton of milk in your shopping cart and you get to the cash register and say, oh, sorry, today the milk's going to cost, I don't know, $1,000. 
instead of, uh, you know, three dollars. <laughs> yeah, great analogy. That's so true. And so many times the bills that we get are incorrect. Yes, there is a lot of errors. It's either because it's almost like a machine, like a, some sort of like a production line system, the way I see it. And you've got this whole ecosystem of billing companies that even physicians offices are having to hire just to handle their own billing uh, and obviously, all this cost is passed on to the, uh, to us, to us, um, the actual consumer. And when I see some of these bills that sometimes come from the insurer, uh, you know, the, I'll get a statement at the end of the month said, okay, you had a procedure and your procedure maybe cost like $25,000 or $30,000, but actually this is what you've saved and this is what the physician is getting paid, which is maybe 7000 or 8000 So then I asked a question, why did you charge 25000 to start with, you know? So it's really bizarre. I still don't understand that. There's this great disconnect from the original price charged to the price actually settled in the end. And it's, I, I think if we had Medicare for all also, it would free up a lot of employers and a lot of money that they also have to uh, invest themselves to pay for this. You know, why not pass this on to a tax and then go into a central system? If people want to buy private insurance, so be it, you can still go, but... It's right now we're all, we're all, you know, being held hostage to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so true. We are being held hostage. What has been your biggest takeaway from this whole experience, Milton? I learned a lot more about insurance than I needed to. And it, it's a Byzantine system. It, it just, it's so dysfunctional. It's so dysfunctional, the insurance system. And the more and more I think about it, you're saying, you know, we're just... I feel we're just being ripped off by, by what we pay. Although we have, in my case, I'm, I'm very happy I've had really top-level care. I think some of the best in the world we have here in the LA area. But the anxiety that goes with that, just getting to that care was maybe unnecessary. And for me, you know, I've got a college degree. I could navigate it a bit better. But sometimes I think about maybe an older senior citizen who's not so computer savvy, they will need help. And when they don't need help, you know, they just get run over. I think we could do away with it. I, even if at the federal level doesn't get approved, we here in California, we're big enough <laughs> to actually do it ourselves. I mean, people forget that California, you know, we've got a larger population than Canada and a bigger GDP than Canada. <laughs> and we can do it. <laughs> There's no reason why we can't. <laughs> Thank you, Nilton Fonseca. Do you have a personal story you'd like to share about our WAC healthcare system? Contact us through our website at heal-ca.org. Find more Code WAC episodes on progressivevoices.com and on Nurse Talk Media. You can also subscribe to Code WAC wherever you find your podcast. This podcast is powered by Heal California, uplifting the voices of those fighting for healthcare reform around the country. I'm Brenda Gazar.